Welcome to another episode of the EU Roundup. I'm Theodore and this is the place where you get the rundown of last week's most important developments regarding the EU. In this week's episode we'll focus on the EU's efforts for a common response to the Covid pandemic. The European Parliament returns to Strasbourg for its plenary sessions this month. We'll also have a quick round of notable news from last week, but first let's take a look at recent developments in the post-Brexit negotiations. The more the UK will diverge uh, off the, from the EU standards, uh, the less the access to the single market they will have. And as part of this, we want to have the best possible relationship with the United Kingdom, but it will never be as good as membership. Those were European leaders Charles Michel and Ursula von der Leyen talking on the future of the EU's relationship with the UK. Right now, the clock is ticking on the post-Brexit negotiations as the end of the year is nearing. We remind you that a withdrawal agreement was signed in January 2020. However, the UK appeared to be going back on that in some way. The British Parliament signed an internal market bill which went against obligations part of the withdrawal agreement. Talks between EU and UK officials were held all throughout the year to iron out details such as fishing regulations. However, after the recent sidestep by the UK, the negotiations seemed likely to fall through. Efforts are still being made on both sides and lately there have been some positive developments. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson reportedly told EU Council President Charles Michel that a trade deal would be better for both sides. This may be cause for optimism as it is now or never for the post-Brexit negotiations. The EU Council meeting in a few days' time was set as a deadline for reaching a deal on the UK-EU relationship. In his own brief assessment, Michel tweeted, The EU prefers a deal, but not at any cost. Time for the UK to put its cards on the table. As it stands, Brussels is still unclear if the UK is willing to budge on key EU red lines. For example, the so-called level playing field or post-Brexit governance. Weirdly enough, there seems to be a difference in how the two sides have presented the results of recent talks. Following a call between Johnson and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, a joint statement was released by the EU. It stated notable areas of disagreement remained, including fisheries, the level playing field and governance. The UK's statement on Wednesday also indicated areas of disagreement remained, but only named fisheries regulations. The message that Britain is sending to the public is that very little is in the way of a final agreement. On the EU side, however, officials have indicated that they need significantly more from the UK in order to put the talks behind. At the same time, there are serious fears within the UK that there will be no deal. These worries come namely from the Scottish government. The country voted largely remain in the referendum back in 2016 and intends on keeping strong ties with Europe. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon pressed Boris Johnson to extend the transition period because of the pandemic, but he refused to do so. That means they now have less than three months to adjust to their new relationship with the EU. During that time, the UK intends on passing the Internal Market Bill, which Scotland opposed heavily. The legislation will breach international law and is incompatible with the devolution of powers within the UK. The Scottish Parliament voted to withhold its consent on the UK's controversial bill. A comfortable majority of members backed the Scottish government's proposed motion. However, it looks like the British government will not change its mind and will move forward with the legislation. Both the Scottish and Welsh governments have said the bill overrides the powers of the devolved administrations. 
It aims to set a level playing field for trades of goods and services across the UK's four nations. That means that devolved administrations will have to accept goods and services from other nations even if they set different trading standards. This will go against fundamental governance principles, but the Scottish administration is also worried about another thing. The fact that the bill goes against the previously agreed withdrawal agreement is particularly worrying for them. Nicola Sturgeon stated that the nation will strive to uphold international law and European values in the future in spite of Westminster. The following days will be decisive for the future of Britain's relationship with the EU. However, the decisions made by the British government might also push even further away some of the members of the United Kingdom. Currently, the EU budget requires approval by the European Parliament, although time is running out. Its implementation should begin on the 1st of January 2021 and an agreement is scheduled for October. The Parliament is holding out its accord because it demands an assurance that money will be spent properly. The European institution's members insist that allowances should be linked to the rule of law principles. That means that if a country is seen as not abiding by those principles, then money will not be sent its way. Hungary or Poland are said to be most affected by this as rule of law has been an issue for both of them. At the moment, the negotiations are in a stalemate. But the German presidency has tried to break the impasse. It has suggested an increase in the EU budget might be possible. Michael Klaus, Germany's ambassador to the EU, wrote to MEPs last week. He pointed out that time was of the essence and the decision needed to be taken soon. The German politician stated that the rule of law principle should be a way of protecting the EU budget rather than a sanctions mechanism. There are hopes that an increase in the budget might change the parliament's mind. However, the proposal was met with skepticism. Speaking to the Financial Times, Belgian MEP Johan van Overvelt stated that the letter was full of good intentions. However, he insisted that parliamentarians will not accept top-ups to EU spending if it meant diverting money from other parts of the budget. The standoff over the rule of law mechanism is proving to be divisive. Members of the European Parliament insist that it must be a requisite for allocating subsidies. The current version, however, only intends on taking into account a breach in the rule of law principles if that affects the spending of the allocated EU budget. This impasse seems to be taking a while. As time is ticking, there will surely be important developments in the following weeks. We believe that no EU citizen should be denied entry to another EU country. Instead, we recommend governments to use testing or quarantine to make it easier for people to travel. And here, too, the rules for the different zones should be unmistakable. These measures will provide more stability, more predictability and clarity for Europeans. That was EU Council President Ursula von der Leyen presenting the proposal for common guidelines on COVID among European member states. Back in March, governments shut down borders, each on its own, and refused to share protective gear. As time went by and the crisis developed, one thing became clear. Nations had to work together to overcome the pandemic. As the second wave of the coronavirus is spreading across Europe, the EU has tried to form a coordinated response. The EU Commission came out with a proposal to harmonize travel guidelines, including testing and quarantine recommendations. As much as everyone understood the urgency of the situation, an accord is still yet to be reached. Last Thursday, a changed version of the proposal seemed to put forward an agreeable compromise. EU officials must vote on that motion, but it is expected to go through. 
Key points of this agreement included whether travelers arriving from high-risk zones should quarantine or undergo mandatory testing. The aviation industry has lobbied heavily for testing over quarantine. The Commission initially leaned towards that in its proposal. But the final version expressed no preference for tests and would give freedom to national governments to choose which method to apply. The EU has nevertheless urged countries to cooperate in that regard. The Commission's proposal would impose restrictions to travelers arriving from red zones designated as high risk. Limitations will be applied to people traveling from zones designated as grey, meaning that there is a lack of sufficient data. Passengers traveling between the lower risk green zones will be allowed free movement. Many basic decisions remain in the hands of national health authorities. They will be able to decide rules on when to wear a mask, limits on social gatherings or whether schools or businesses should close. EU officials have stated they put a lot of importance in finding an agreement soon enough. The initial proposal by the Commission was tabled on the 4th of September, but the EU has been pushing for common guidelines for months. However, Brussels has also stated member states should agree among themselves and find a mutual accord. Some have argued that conditions vary so much between countries that it doesn't make sense to align national health policies. Not every country has the same testing capability of Luxembourg, for example. Some have larger territories, a bigger population and weaker economies. That is why some regulations have remained in the hands of national health authorities. EU top officials have also had to deal from up close with the coronavirus in recent weeks. European Parliament President David Sassoli had to enter self-isolation after coming into contact with an infected person. His quarantine follows that of both the Commission and Council Presidents. Most recently, EU Commissioner for Innovation, Research and Culture Maria Gabriel has tested positive. The Bulgarian politician is currently in quarantine. She is the first member of the Commission to test positive, although others have self-isolated as a precautionary measure. It is definitely a good sight to see European politicians take the coronavirus seriously. They will certainly be following guidelines strictly after the aftermath of the situation involving Phil Hogan. The Irish Commissioner on Trade was forced to resign earlier in the summer after he broke coronavirus rules in his own country. The proposal for common guidelines on COVID, tabled by the European Commission, requires a vote-in. However, its final adoption is expected after a meeting of the General Affairs Council this Tuesday. More on this in our next episode. And now we'll have a quick round of news from last week. Armenia and Azerbaijan have agreed on a ceasefire after nearly two weeks of fighting. The two former Soviet states clashed over Nagorno-Karabakh, an Armenian-controlled region internationally recognized as part of Azerbaijan. A series of reported attacks on Sunday threw into doubt whether the deal will hold. However, the situation seems to have calmed down at the moment. In other news, the European Parliament will return to Strasbourg this October. Due to a high amount of coronavirus infections, sessions were held in Brussels. As numbers have went down in the northeastern French region, things will go back to normal. Special procedures will be implied and European officials will travel with reduced staff. Nevertheless, the French government will be happy to have sessions held again in Strasbourg, the traditional seat of the parliament. The EU and Ukraine have signed a number of new financial agreements after a summit in Brussels. The two will join efforts in fighting the coronavirus crisis and will continue to build on their relationship. Ukraine also signed three project agreements with the European Investment Bank. In addition to that, the Eastern European country expressed its commitment to collaborate on key priorities, such as the ecological transition and digital development. 
That was all for today's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with another episode, as always, on Tuesday at 9.30.